1: How how would you evaluate your season? Uh, I think we ain't done yet. For you personally? I think we ain't done yet.
2: Alright, welcome to another episode of the Butting Heads Podcast on Rams Talk Radio, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Steve Ribeiro. Here's always with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, the Rams won their second straight game this week. They are 2-1, and one, but I gotta tell you, man, I don't know if I have ever felt like this indifferent about a Rams team through three games. It
1: It's really tough to get a feel on... What exactly the Rams have? Because I I think, and one on one way, especially after Week Three, you've certainly seen improvements. But does this look like improvements for a Super Bowl caliber team? I would put a big question mark there. Like there's just uh, there's just a lot of big question marks here now. To be fair, there's a couple of things that are ailing the Rams, particularly with injuries and, you know, kind of adjusting on the fly with certain uh, positions. But overall, like, this is just kind of a huge uncertainty of a team. If If there is sort of a glimmer of hope here, is that I feel like the Rams are a much better team than what we've seen so far. So it's just a matter of at least you can say that the Rams haven't given them their best shot yet. If I looked at this team and said, well, that was their best. This is maybe a early round, uh, playoff team that's just going to get eliminated in the first round. I I think that's fair to say, but, um, yeah, it's definitely not looking as promising as we hoped.
2: Well, yeah, and like you said, there's there's still a lot of time. Um, you know, they're 2-1. They're in first in division. And they don't look bad. Do they look good? I don't know. Maybe. Um, and it's tough to really gauge because, like, obviously the Bills were good. They kind of knocked our socks off. But you look at the, the slate of games, like, we pl- we're we going to play some good defenses over the next couple games. By that, like, mainly just the 49ers, kind of, Tampa. But, like, if you look at their schedule, I don't think they play against a good offense, at least today, with how everyone's playing, until week 12 against the Chiefs. Because 49ers' offense is not good. The Cowboys' offense is not good. The Panthers' offense is not good. Somehow the Bucks' offense is awful. Uh, I mean, the Cardinals ain't, ain't great. You know, they don't. They haven't looked good through three games. And so I guess the positive for the Rams is that, and I think it's something that we're talking about, especially we play the 49ers this week, the NFC West is not looking great this year. There are, at the beginning of the year, you can make a case that three teams will be playoff contenders. I think that's still probably true. I don't, I mean, after this week, I I didn't believe in the Cardinals before this week. I certainly do not believe in them after this week. They had a lot of opportunity to win this game. I, th- I think they had the ball for, like, I think they won the time possession battle by a lot. And through three games, they're lost out of the Chiefs and the Rams. Not bad. Their wins against the Raiders, not good. You know, they're not good. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. And, and the 49ers, who we play this week, like, great defense. Probably still one of the best in the league. That's going to be a challenge for the Rams this week. But, boy, uh, you know, it seemed like going into this week, and I think we said this in last week's pod, they might be better off for this season with Jimmy Garoppolo, but boy, were we reminded why this guy was not a starting quarterback two weeks ago.
1: I mean, honestly, it's kind of a uh, a, a good thing more for, uh, for Garoppolo than it is for the 49ers, I would say. I, I know that they lost Trey Lance, so it is kind of fortunate for them that they have, like, a veteran to fall back on, especially one that is as familiar with the 49er offense as Garoppolo is. But, man, uh, I I feel like he kind of regressed a little since last year. Um, you know, to be fair, it was his first game back uh, since the he lost to the Rams in the playoffs last year. But... Man, even still, he he looked god awful. Um, so
2: <laughs> because, because I, he's bad, he's not good. No, no, he, he's not. He, I mean, I, they lost. Like <laughs> that game was so bad. Both teams were trying to lose that game as hard as they possibly can. And at the end of the day, the. Den- Russell Wilson led them on a good one, good drive game at the right time. They won the game 11 to 10. <laughs> I think I think they said it was the second 11 to 10 game ever. So, like, you know, I th- when you play the 49ers and the Rams have done it numerous times. I mean, we've lost our last six regular season games to the 49ers. Obviously, we beat them in the playoffs last year, so we're on the win streak, but. We haven't beat them in the regular season since 2018. And when you play against the 49ers and their defense that's that good, it's very easy to beat yourself. In a lot, of, like, yeah, there's been games where the 49ers have pummeled us over the years. But a lot of the times when we play them, it is us beating ourselves because that defense gets takeaways because they're a really good defense. Um, but in this Denver game, I don't, um, I don't think Denver had a turnover. And... All the 49ers needed to do was, you know, not lose. And they lost. They turned the ball over three times. Uh, They couldn't move the ball on offense. And so, like, the Rams' defense is a little depleted. But, like, you know, I mean, going into this week, like, whose offense is better as of today? Is it 49ers or Arizona? I mean, I think... Top to bottom, there might be more talent on the 49ers offense, but Kyler Murray is substantially better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Flaws and all. I can't believe he threw 58 passes on Sunday. What? <laughs> I have not looked at this box score like in depth.
1: It's, um, man, it, watching that game, the the 49ers and, and uh, the Broncos was just kind of surreal, just especially when you kind of anticipated both teams coming into the season as teams that were, you know, powerhouses. Certainly, teams that could uh, lobby for you know uh, playoff contenders, and they still very well could. It's still very early in the season, but boy, they need to, they they need to really improve. They really need to step up to even make it to the playoffs at this point. And I know it might be a little taboo to say that maybe more so for the 49ers, but I don't know if it is. I mean, I I guess a lot will tell us this weekend because, well, I don't consider the Rams as a, as nearly as threatening as they were last season. I think it's a big test for, all teams real uh, for for the Rams and the 49ers this this upcoming Monday you know I I would really be interested in seeing how this plays out because if if the Rams end up walking into uh Levi Stadium and just absolutely you know roast the 49ers at at their home then it really is a testament of how bad the 49ers have become I don't envision that happening because for one thing, Steve, you mentioned uh, a couple times already that the 49ers defense is still fucking stellar. Like this is not a defense to take lightly. And that alone is a big threat to the Rams who have turned over the ball countless times already in the first three weeks of the season. Um, To be fair, a lot of that happened against the bills, but still you get the idea. Now, for the Rams, you know their defense is a little bit on the banged up side, um, but despite being as banged up as they have been, you know, I you know you brought up a good point. I would feel like the uh, Cardinals' offense is a lot more threatening than the Forty Nine er offense, uh, especially under Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he does, they do have Debo, uh, and he's certainly somebody to be worried about, but. Beyond that, I would argue that the Cardinals offense is still a little bit more threatening the, than the 49ers, especially without Trent Williams, who is going to be out for this game more more than likely.
2: Yeah. And I think just the gap between Kyler and Jimmy Garoppolo is so seismic. And like, you know, we are not like Kyler Sands on this podcast, but it, it's, it's night and day. And yeah, like they have Debo. They have George Kittle. Some people think Brandon Ayuk is good. I think he's all right. I mean, they have basically a plug-and-play good running back, even though I don't know if any of the running backs are actually good. But, like, Jeff Wilson had six yards of carry last week. Maybe they should have given him the ball more. I don't know. Uh, But, like, it's interesting looking at these two teams because, you know, with the Rams are 2-1, and they got blown out by – Got blown out by the Bills. They come back. They win they win their next two games. And they're in San Francisco this week. And the 49ers are point and a half favorite. Like, okay. You know, they're on the road. Division rival. 49ers usually have a number. But like if you look at what San Francisco has done this year, okay. They're one and two. They lost they open the season by losing to the Bears. Um, then they go and beat Seattle. And then they lose last week to Denver. The bears are horrible. The Seahawks are horrible And Denver does not look good. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say they're horrible. They're two and one, but they haven't scored over 16 points. And one of their losses was to Seattle, who I think is definitively not good. So like I, it's, it's weird going into a San Francisco game. Um, not being that worried and like, I'm still a little worried because they always whoop our ass, but like, I'm not sure if they're good, you know, their defense I think is definitely still good. It's ranked in the top three right now in the NFL and yardage and points. But again, like I just said, they played, you know, you could argue that Chicago and Seattle are the two worst offenses in the league. know maybe maybe you put seattle ahead of the jets i think chicago is pretty definitively the worst offense in the league like i don't even think that's a like is that even a, a debate is there anyone even remotely close maybe
1: the texans
2: the texans sure um the colts look horrible offensively but i i would put them ahead of chicago's offense but like i don't know man it it wouldn't shock me if the Rams come in and lose this game like 12 to 10 because the 49 defense won the game, but it also wouldn't shock me if they won this game like 35 to 10. You know, I don't think they're going to. I would never bet that after what we've seen for the last couple of years in Kyle Shanahan versus Sean McVay games, but like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like... I don't even know if the Rams are that good, and I think they should have run away with this division this year based on what we've seen through three weeks. It's early. It's early for everyone, but, like, I don't know. I, I mean, just the ceiling for the Forty ers is so capped with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, it's just so capped, and it's just, like, we are quickly reminded, A, why they replaced him with Trey Lance, and, B, why nobody traded for him because, like, he's, he's just – his best day is – when the defense creates turnovers and he just has to hand the ball off and throw open passes. He can't like do anything that's going to win you games. Like he just, his best days are when he helps your team not lose.
1: It doesn't help that uh, the 49ers were also asking for a first round
2: pick for the guy. I mean, Uh, Jesus Christ, dude, thank God (laughs) no one paid that price.
1: I mean, there was still some questionable uh, quarterback moves, cough browns, uh, but overall, I i mean, I think teams did a great job of not, you know, over overpaying for a guy like Garoppolo. Um, then in, in the end, I guess it did help out the 49ers somewhat because at least you know, they don't have, like, a random backup quarterback out there. Say what you will about Garoppolo, and mind you, we have said what we will about Garoppolo. Um, but I think from the perspective of 49er fans and the 49er franchise in general, um, they're probably happy to have him there um, now that Trey Lance is, is out for the year. So... <laughs> I... I do think that this is going to really hurt them, that, you know, Garoppolo is going to, like you said, he kind of puts them in a bubble of sorts. Uh, but I, I, I think part of it as well is, I think the biggest loss here is the loss of Trent Williams. I mean, you're, you're talking about arguably the best offensive lineman in football is now out for a couple of weeks at least. So, um, that's going to hurt them more than anything. And I, this is, this game is basically going to come down to who turns over the ball the least. That that's essentially what it's going to come down to because what you're talking about, both, both teams, you know, hampered with, uh, offensive line losses. And then, you know, going up against, you know, pretty good defenses, you know, I, I mean, you could definitely argue that the 49ers' defense is, is better than the Rams' defense at the moment. But, man, uh, yeah, I think it's ultimately going to come down to uh, can can Matthew Stafford not throw, um, you know, the ball away too many times? Because if he only throws, like, one pick in this game, I think the Rams will be doing just fine. But if he surrenders the ball, like, three or four times, I don't know if the Rams can win this game.
2: Yeah, I mean... What? Score 20 points and don't turn the ball over, and there's no reason why you should lose this game. I mean, that's it. Uh, Even with our depleted secondary, I'm just not worried. Like, well, I'm worried because, like, we probably will turn the ball over a couple times because it's the Rams versus the 49ers. But, like, if that doesn't happen, I'm not worried. And we'll see if that happens. I think it's a good time to transition to the injuries that we're dealing with though obviously last week if you watch the game the Rams before the game lost Troy Hill for a little bit of time he went to the IR and then on game day it was announced that Kobe Durant and Jordan Fuller and David Long would all miss this game and so the Rams are trotting out Jalen Ramsey along with Darian Kendrick and was the guy Grant Haley was the, the other cornerback that was getting reps. Yeah. Robert Rochelle was out there a little bit. Um he didn't get hurt, did he? Is he just getting Oh, is he just like playing?
1: Behind I think, uh, Haley? I think Darian Kendrick was the one that got hurt.
2: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He he did. And so I don't think Rochelle played until after he got hurt. I mean, Terrell Burgess played. 26 snaps you know that should tell you all you need to know about how depleted the secondary was so i mean yeah and then in this game Darian kendrick got a concussion so there's a chance that we're out four of our top five cornerbacks on the depth chart going into this game which is not good um but i will say with all these injuries last week you needed Jalen Ramsey to be a monster and be everywhere on the field and be making plays and be the best player in that unit by far. And he was, you know, this is the best game he's played in a really long time for us. He was out of control with how how much of a killer he was in this game.
1: Yeah, he he for surely proved a lot of doubters wrong um, in this game because a lot of people just were wondering if he was cooked. I myself, I'm not going to lie, um, had my fair share of questions. I didn't, I didn't think he was cooked or anything like that. I wouldn't nearly go that far because I think the talent is definitely there. But um, certainly the first two games of the season was not his better games of his career. But he stepped up in a very important time. And, uh, you know, kudos to Jalen Ramsey out there. Hopefully he can continue this against uh, – the 49ers we're definitely going to need them
2: and it's yeah we'll see so like if all three of those guys i i haven't really seen like the injury report this week like is um like are these guys expected to play i feel like probably not right well for sure troy hill won't play yeah yeah Uh, i mean the guys like durant and long and, and kendrick if kendrick's a concussion protocol now i mean it seems doubtful
1: yeah, I would assume that Kendrick is teetering on not playing. But I think, I think um, Durant should be able to go um, based on what we learned last week. But, you know, injuries are kind of a tricky thing sometimes. Uh, they trend into a certain direction and they'll go the complete opposite direction. I mean, just look at Van Jefferson, who was only supposed to miss a game or two. And now we won't likely won't see him until what, like week eight. So, yeah, Uh, (laughs) this is um, kind of been a terrible year for injuries for the Rams. And hopefully, you know, we could at least get uh, Durant back. And never thought I'd be hoping to get David Long back. But, um, man, we we could certainly use some bodies in there.
2: Yeah, (laughs) especially if Kendrick can't play. I mean, we need. We probably really need both of those guys back. And it was great to see Ramsey, you know, going up and down the field. But if, and they played a lot of zone in that game. So even though Marquise Brown had 14 catches and was dominating, like if you look at the stats, Darian Kendrick allowed nine catches on 16 targets. And his defense, like, that doesn't sound good. He gave up 100 yards. But I actually didn't think he played that bad, like all things considered. I, I thought he held his own for a six-round rookie being thrust into a huge role. It wasn't great, but like it could have been a lot worse. I don't know how you felt about that.
1: No, I, I think that it was, I mean, was he, did he lock him down? Of course not, but that's a pretty tall task to ask a rookie or, or just about any cornerback for that matter to to uh, try and contain Hollywood Brown. I, I feel like. You know, Hollywood Brown is one of the most underrated receivers in football. So to um, to essentially try and contain him as a rookie, I, I don't think it's possible. But the fact that he, he was able to get the better of, of, of Brown every now and then, I think that was already a success. And in the end, it, it really I mean, they they weren't able to utilize Brown as well as they hoped they could. Uh, against you know a a battered you know secondary so um, in the end I I think that they played it fairly well especially towards the end of the game he the the Rams clearly strategized to um, allow you know clock to come off and by the way I you know Steve and I have have always kind of clowned on on uh, Kingsbury as being like you know kind of an ill-prepared coach. But holy shit, I've never seen a coach that has had poor clock management skills as he did. I'm like if there's a better coach out there on the field, this could have been a much closer game. This at at no point in this game did it feel like the Rams were going to lose this game, but at the same time, you know, the Rams weren't exactly closing out the game and it didn't really matter anyway because kingsbury didn't get the idea that the rams defense was keeping them in bounds so that they could run off the clock (laughs) i've never seen a coach with poor clock management skills than kingsbury and uh my my rant of coaching is now over
2: he he's gotta go dude he he's not good he's not the answer when you've got that much money invested into kyler like you need to get him a new coach, like, soon. You know, I I mean, I I do not think this is it. It, It's crazy how long, like, in the second half, the Cardinals had a 16-play drive, they kicked a field goal, then they had a 12-play drive, they went out on downs, and then they had a 17-play drive, and kick the field goal like like you said yeah the Rams they wanted to keep you a know, little bounds they wanted to run the clock out they wanted to let the Ram the Cardinals get short gains and in their defense anytime it got in the red zone they stepped their asses up so like you can criticize some of what Raheem Morris said in this game but it worked you know they had the Cardinals had four drives in this game of 12 plays or more and on those drives they got nine total points. Like, like that's insane. That I think it's a, a master class from, from Ahi Morris, if we're gonna be honest. I It's unreal, man. It, it's really <laughs> unreal of how that,
1: that came about.
2: Yeah, the it, it, wild. Wild how how many plays the Cardinals ran in this game. What's like the Rams ran forty six plays, the Cardinals were in eighty one. <laughs> Damn. And they yeah, and they only had twenty five more yards. So, just this is Cliff Kingsbury getting coached under the table is what happened in this game. A better That's coach, right. a better coach, they might win this game. But other injury news. So, yeah, you mentioned Van Jefferson. He just got put on the IR last week. That means he can't come back for a bit. McVeigh expects him back in Week Eight, like you said. So, do you think that Van had a setback? Or do you think they've been watching Ben Skoranek and we're like, he can wait. We don't need to rush him back.
1: I think a mixture of both. I, I think uh, for sure that, uh, that they would love to have Jefferson back. Um, But at the same time, it's like the urgency isn't there because Ben Skoranek has stepped up in such a way that he has become a vital part of the offense. And, Um, if you bring in, uh, Van Jefferson, you're kind of complicating, you know, this matter, um, a little bit more, even if you kind of lightly ease in Van Jefferson, you gotta find, you know, a way to include him in the offense also. So that would mean less, you know, Ben Skaronic time. And, um, it's going to be real interesting. And then, um, down the line, even more interesting because then the Rams have a decision to make whether or not to bring back Odell. And at that point, you, are you going to say Ben who, or are you going to try and, you know, factor in Odell if they're able to sign him?
2: I think Skoranek has been good enough to just give Van Jefferson more time off until he's 110%. I still think we should resign Odell. And Part of that is because of how ineffective Alan Robinson has been as well, but I got to say, man, I, last week I apologized to Ben Skronic for how much I've trashed him and I don't regret any of the trashing, but I said he has earned some of my respect after this week, dude. I'm in. I love the guy now. Uh, I never thought I'd be sitting here and saying that Ben Skronic has that dog in him, dude. I never thought I'd say it, but he is a dog, man uh Sean McVay talking about him he said I thought Ben Skorana had a handful of big plays four big catches on four targets and then his presence was felt you felt that physicality this guy's a maniac and you love what he does for a football team uh I everyone has seen the play I'm sure that went viral of him pancaking JJ Watt then running a flare out and going like 20 yards he led the team in receiving in this game like <laughs> They're paying what $40 million to Cooper Cup and Al Robinson and Ben Skaronik led the team in receiving. Uh how much he's improved is insane. And I said like we've said part of it is because McVay is putting him in better spots, but like this player was not on the team last year. And anyone who says that he was is lying because he was not uh it's just like it's crazy how big of a leap he's taken and I'm not gonna sit here and say this guy's gonna be a is like developing to like a dominant wide receiver but he's developing into a guy that will have a role on this offense and a important role probably for the duration of his contract at least and when Van Jefferson comes back like I'm not convinced that he's going to be the third wide receiver like I'm sure he'll absorb some of the snaps that Brandon Powell and Tutu are taking right now, but like I don't know how much you can have him cut into Skaronic's snap share. I um, can't believe is say- you, I can't believe we're saying you, this.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, the reality is that you you, you can't really uh, cut into Ben Skaronic's time because McVeigh essentially made him uh, too important for this offense, where you know, less of him wouldn't necessarily be a good thing. And and that's shocking to say. So while Steve apologized for what he had said about Ben Skoranek last week, I did not, primarily because I credited Sean McVay for essentially discovering the talents within Ben Skoranek. Now, I still stand by that statement to a degree, but I will now apologize for that (laughs) because... You know what, um, while I still, like I said, I stand by my statement where Sean McVay did unlock his potential probably better than just about any other coach in this league would, I have to say the improvement of Ben Skoranek is night and day. It's like it's, it's just ridiculous how much he's improved. And even down to things like just simply being a wide receiver out there, Um, you know having Matthew Stafford throw the ball to him and you know confidently knowing that he's going to catch the ball And, and some of you are like well isn't that what a wide receiver does yes absolutely that's exactly what a wide receiver does however if you go back to last year he was a liability for the Rams to the point where he nearly lost the playoff game against the 49ers because he couldn't catch the fucking ball and that's what it came down to now it's like well damn now not only is he catching the ball he's blocking and he's blocking and then catching the ball and then gaining more yardage on top of that so yeah the improvement isn't just Sean McVay while it is part of it for sure it's all Ben Skoronic too so kudos to Ben you know I see him as a big part of this team At least for the rest of this season, maybe uh, for the rest of his contract, like Steve suggested. I I hope he continues, man. I hope he's our next uh, Cooper Cup, you know, that homegrown talent that nobody knew about until, you know, the Rams drafted him. Of course, we had an idea that Cooper Cup would be special. I I don't think many of us knew that Ben Skoranek would be special. Well, yeah, and
2: and Cooper Cup had a very good rookie year. I don't think any of us expected him to. After that, become the best wide receiver in the NFL. Um, But Ben Skranik had an awful rookie year. And look at him now. He might have been the best best skill player in this game. I never thought I'd say that in my lifetime about a Ben Skranik football game in the NFL. (laughs) Like, he he looked great, man. And I, like, you look at how Van Jefferson was in the second half of last year. Just, like, kind of, like, non-existent just like had no connection with Matthew Stafford. I don't really know how much you need to East to play him when you have Skaronic playing like this. Uh, now a reason you could make the case for Van Jefferson getting snaps is that through three games, the 15 million man dollar man, Allen Robinson has seven catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. Um, What's your take on Allen Robinson through three games this year?
1: To be fair, um, against the Falcons, he should have had two touchdowns, but that's neither here or there. Uh, (laughs) uh, To to be honest, I still feel like the Rams are – the entire offense is still trying to gel. It's very clear that the chemistry of the entire offense is – completely off uh you know and part of this is you know the shuffling of offensive linemen that doesn't help matters at all uh trying to find an identity for the ground game um and then just trying to um develop the chemistry between you know alan robinson and matthew stafford is a big is a big thing as well i wouldn't you know, give up hope on Allen Robinson yet. It's only been three games into the season. One game, Allen Robinson looked, you know, fairly good. And uh, in this game, in the first game, and in this game was kind of, you know, non-existent. But um, I think this game against the 49ers will certainly be telling of what the Rams can rely on, if, if the Rams can rely on Allen Robinson at all. But... Um, I, I think it's too early to tell, you know, if Allen Robinson is going to be a big fixture for the Rams, uh, for this team. But yeah, man, it, it's not a good feeling seeing, uh, you know, a guy that they invested a lot of money into, only for him to just be kind of average, if we're being honest. Uh, his best game, while it was impressive and, uh, you know, some, something that you kind of hope to see consistently, it still wasn't like an amazing game. You know, it wasn't the Allen Robinson type of game that you were hoping for. And maybe we expected a little too much. I don't know. Maybe I did. But, yeah, uh, you could certainly tell that Cooper Cup is still going to be Cooper Cup. But you can't tell what Allen Robinson is going to be out there from week in and week out based on these three performances. So it is a bit of a concern, but I wouldn't push the panic button quite yet.
2: Yeah, and like with Cup, they were touting that stat that he's had a 90 yards receiving in like, like a stupid amount of games. What was it, like 13 or some shit like that? So like nobody should be concerned that he didn't have a statistically great game this week. But like, you know, you look at the, Just to see the like, yeah, you mentioned the one game Alan Robinson was good. He had four catches for 53 yards and a touchdown. Like, okay, it's not that great. Um, and you look at like what's crazy to me is like you look at how many, like, how the pie is being split. Cooper Cup has 35 targets in the year. Like, yeah, of course, he's going to dominate the targets as he should, no matter how much you paid Alan Robinson, but then you look at everything else. Higby's got 16 catches on 24 targets. Skoranek has 10 catches on 13 targets. Robinson has seven on 12. Brandon Powell has five on five. He's like not even that far behind. He has 43 yards. Allen Robinson is 88. So like, I don't know. The the fact that Allen Robinson is on the football field helps the team because defensive has to respect him and what he brings in theory. You know, you can't just kind of ignore him because if that ever happens, I'm sure they will exploit it. But it seems like as long as you pay him some mind, he might not kill you. And we are now going on, you know, Alan Robinson hasn't been good since 2020. I'm not, I'm not sweating it. I think he's going to be fine, but it doesn't feel great. (laughs) You know, like this is not that fun watching this happen.
1: Definitely doesn't feel good as a fantasy owner of
2: him. No. No, it does not. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's I have concerns. We'll see. Give it a couple more games. We'll see what happens. But, like, if Skoranek wasn't doing what he was doing, and, like, again, I can't believe I'm saying this, and Higby, to his credit, has been really good and productive and useful. It's just kind of wild how just like non-existent this guy has been for how much they paid him you know you don't think they pay him that much money to sit around we a lot of people have their doubts about christian kirk but the bull case for him was that they paid him all that money they're gonna throw him the ball and they throw him the ball a lot whereas how robs just got it around the, on the field to be a body it seems like i don't know i don't know man i i do want to talk about this in the receiver stats um Brandon Powell paid six offensive snaps. And in those snaps, he had three catches for, I think, what? 29 or 37 yards? I don't have the box score up. Tutu played three snaps and had one target and no catches. And I'm, did he drop that pass? I don't remember completely.
1: It was overthrown. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. I just think it's like, in, it's so funny how how much of a, like not that Brandon Powell is getting a lot of snaps but like when he's on the field more often than not they give him the ball.
1: Well, to be fair, Sean McVay also did say that uh they were going to try and incru- include include uh, Powell a little bit more into the offense. At the time, of course, we didn't know if that was just Sean McVay speak for, you know, trying to hype up the team. That happens quite frequently. But at the same time, he wasn't lying. You know, he wanted, he wants to get Brandon Powell in there. And while that's, that's great, that's fantastic. You know, Steve and I are big Brandon Powell fans. It's also not a good feeling that Brandon Powell is being preferred over Tutu Atwell, who is supposed to be your designated, you know, slot receiver or field stretcher or whatever the hell you want to call him. Um, and he's basically there a couple times a game. Not uncommon for him not to touch the ball at all. Yeah, it, it just, it, at this point, it just feels like he's, you know, he's there and Sean McVay is trying desperately to find some way for him to look good. And it's it's not working. It's not working. I don't know what more could be said. You know, it's very clear now that um, Tutu Outwell just isn't meant to have a role on this team.
2: Oh yeah, he's he's done, man. I, I've seen enough. I think we can call it. I, I I don't even know why they play him. They should they should activate Lance McCutcheon over him. I think many
1: people would agree with that. Uh, I know McCutcheon, to be fair, is a very different wide receiver as opposed to uh, Atwell, but the sentiment is is the same where, yeah, maybe you don't run the same type of plays with McCutcheon in, but, I mean, if McCutcheon can get open and he can at least, you know, catch
2: the ball, he's already an improvement. It's just like there, there's nothing I, – I don't think – what can you do with Tutu Atwell when he's on the field? Like what's it, what's it going to accomplish? Does it make your team better? Is, is there some kind of threat that I don't know about when he when he trots out there?
1: I suppose it will, you know, kind of take away some of your speedier secondary players since they have to, you know, at least attempt to cover him. But it's not like he's drawing, like, double coverages or anything like that. So, (laughs) yeah. um, Yeah, there's really no answer there. It's just, I think McVeigh is just going to try and hope that uh, Atwell can bring in something. But overall, it's just, it's a a clearly failed experiment. And I think McVeigh realizes this also. But he's on the team, so you got to try and make the most of it, right?
2: No, I think you should just cut him and use that roster spot on something else.
1: Wow, wow, that's 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 uh, that's how Steve feels at the moment. And you know, to tell you the truth, if if the Rams are able to bring back um, Odell, or hell, even when Van Jefferson comes back, you know, one of the things that Sean McVay mentioned when uh, they put Van Jefferson on the IR was it was more about a roster spot. And if that's the case, maybe they, you know, when Van Jefferson is completely healthy, maybe they cut Tutu Atwell and then, you know, bring in in Van Jefferson. I think it's more likely that they'll just, you know, send back down Jacob Harris or whatever. But still... It's. I mean, it's not like you're you're getting much production out of Harris or McCutcheon
2: for that matter. So, let yeah. let me ask you this: If hypothetically Al Robinson stubbed his toe tomorrow and can't play on Sunday, oh. can you say with a straight face that Tutu Atwell would be the third receiver in that game? No, no shot. I think they would play. McCutcheon over him. I think they'd play Jacob Harris over him. I think they would play Brandon Powell over him. Uh, well, I mean they've
1: kind of proven that they would play pre- Which, Brandon Powell yeah, over Yeah, I him. mean
2: that's a fact. I mean, but he's being tried out as a gadget play. Like I don't I just don't I I I don't I don't see it at all. And the fact that they're not even attempting to get him involved means I don't think they see it either.
1: Yeah, I I'm all for, you know, trying the the I would say more of the McCutcheon experiment more so than the Jacob Harris experiment. But yeah, I mean, regardless of how we feel about McCutcheon, you know, he's kind of, uh, you know, the modern day Nelson Spruce. So of course he's the preseason warrior that we all want to see succeed, but we've all seen preseason warriors before. And, not many of them, if any of them, have ever really, you know, stepped up to become that guy in in uh, the regular season. So it could be more wishful thinking on our part than actual reality. But um, yeah, maybe Atwell is is uh, is Sean McVay's wishful
2: thinking as well. Well, I mean, we've seen Atwell play in a preseason. He played as a rookie last preseason with the same offense that Lance McCutcheon played with this preseason and he didn't do anything. There were no flashes. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't recall a single like thing to be impressed about.
1: He may have had a moment or two, but nothing like near anywhere near the extent of McCutcheon. Yeah. I mean, he he may have had a, you know, a couple good grabs here and there, but McCutcheon had himself flat out good games.
2: Yeah, I mean so. he was a, he had a historically good preseason. McCutcheon, uh, we gotta stop talking about two too. We keep doing this. The let's talk a little. I I, I want to get your take on the running back situation. Uh, the snap share for week three was a straight up fifty fifty split between Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, which is surprising because Cam Akers ran the ball twelve times for sixty one yards and a touchdown. Henderson ran the ball four times for 17 yards through three games. You now, I don't know. I would imagine the snap split is a little lopsided because of how little acres played in week one, but the yardage is kind of even. Um, Henderson has a little, I think um, I'm talking, I'm sitting here. Like I can't just pull this up in five seconds with modern technology through three games. Henderson has 27 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown. Acres has 30 for 105 and a touchdown. Acres obviously also had the lost fumble at a not opportune moment in this game, but through three games statistically, they've been about the same. And you know, while I think Henderson has looked has been the better running back this week, from Acres was very encouraging and. I thought after week one that he was done and I'm not saying that anymore. Um, You know, I, I, am still not going to sit here and say like, this guy looks like who we drafted him to be, but I'm a lot more confident in these two running backs being able to be a productive backfield together and probably not needing to go out and chase um, uh, another running back to bring. And obviously they signed Malcolm Brown to the practice squad, but I feel a lot better about the running back situation after this week because Akers looked like he could play in the NFL and he did not look like that in week one.
1: It's, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough call here because on one hand, yes, I will agree that, uh, Cam Akers looked a lot better in week three than he did in either of the other games. Um, and that's great, you know. That's that's wonderful. It's nice to see that uh, you know he stepped up and he's you know getting better here mm-hmm. and there. Um, but at the same time, it's definitely not at the rate we were hoping for, and it's really hard to exactly pinpoint if that's just on Acres or if it's on the offense as a whole particularly the offensive line. Again, offensive line is battered. You know, they have had to shift around, um, have to play players out of position. So it's, it's not completely his fault for sure, because this is definitely not the offensive line. The Rams were hoping to run, you know, during the season, but it is what it is at the moment. So, I have to be honest. If if I'm if I'm playing, you know, couch GM here. If I had a choice between bringing in, you know, a top tier running back, or bringing back Odell, I'm probably picking the running back.
2: Oh yeah, but that's not really on the table. Like yeah, if we can trade for Saquon Barkley, yes. You yeah, obviously heartbeat. burn the, burn the Odell bridge for that. But I don't think that's really on the table.
1: I mean, I, I'd be happy if we can get James Robinson also, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I, he's available either. I think he's no. like, yeah, he's like the heart of that offense, um, which is crazy. Good for him.
1: Uh, I, I'm happy for him, man. I, I hope he comes back with the vengeance because you know, any doubt that every and any doubt that anybody ever had with this guy is is going away very very slowly, um, but yeah, I I don't know, man. Because um, even though we kind of discussed how you know Alan Robinson hasn't been the guy that we hoped he would be, and certainly we have zero confidence in Tutu, um, I'm still not that concerned about receivers as I am with the ground game. I just think Cam Akers will be a guy that will be maybe average, maybe slightly better than average. And Henderson will just continue to be that kind of supportive uh running back role. And I don't know if that's good enough, man. I don't I mean, I guess it was kind of good enough last year.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean we won a Super Bowl with Sony Michelle as the lead back for a lot of the season and you know for all the good stuff he did you know he's he's Sony Michelle like he's not that good he was good enough to just not bring back at I think he got what a minimum contract like maybe two million dollars so and it got cut so it's like yeah I think if if they stay healthy I think they'll be good enough to get by but like it's like, you can imagine what this offense would look like with, like, a real blue blood running back back there, and it may, you know, it's not something they're going to be able to address this year, but, like, if you could free up a little cap space in the offseason and sign, like, Aaron Jones, like, I would be so here for that. Like, I think that'd be a great use of our our finances. I don't know, because we're never going to be drafting high enough, really, to pick a game changer running back and I think there's better uses of that money but like you can go get a guy like Aaron Jones for like eight mil I would pay that I know people don't like paying running backs but I especially with Stafford getting older and the elbow and everything I would like to see that kind of be a priority next year unless either Akers or Henderson really breaks out this season
1: Okay, so I'll, I'll bring up a couple of running backs that, if the Rams had an opportunity to trade for, would you would you pull the trigger? So, first one, Melvin Gordon.
2: Yeah, but not anything of value. I I mean, what what like, I think I'd give up like a fifth for Melvin Gordon, maybe even that, because he's he's only he's only on a one year deal. I would have loved to sign him outright this offseason. But what about you? What are you feeling about Melvin?
1: Uh, I would probably decline. I I like Melvin Gordon. Just I don't know how much he improves the
2: offense. Yeah, he's not a substantial improvement over these guys. And he debatably might not be an improvement, but I think he is. Okay, what about Kareem Hunt?
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. (laughs) I would do that in a heartbeat. Would you give up a third round or a second rounder for him?
2: Not a second. A third. I don't know. Definitely a fourth. Pro- I, I, I would pull the trigger on
1: a third. I, I agree with you on the second, but I would absolutely pull the trigger because I think he's a game changer. As long as he stays healthy he would elevate this offense like nobody else could on the ground at least
2: from what the rams currently have yeah i'd want to see what the rams look like over the next couple of weeks and like make sure that adding cream hunt really make gives you a good chance to make the super bowl because today i don't know how high those odds are again i'm not out i just need to see the team play better who else who else we got
1: uh, those were basically it. I mean we kind of discussed already with uh James Robinson and uh Saquon I doubt is going anywhere either, so um yeah, I'll I'll leave it at that.
2: Yeah, and um Like with like with Saquon, if the Giants were horrible, he'd be on the block, I think. I think they would try to get something out of him, but they not saying they're good. They're a team that could make the playoffs. I went to the Giants game on Monday, and, like, I just can't believe they're still, like, I can't believe Daniel Jones has got, got what is this, his fourth or fifth year? I can't believe he's still their quarterback. <laughs>
1: well, the reason why um, the Giants are even have the potential of making the playoffs is because the NFC East is fucking garbage, man. I this This is easily one of the worst divisions in football.
2: Well, you know, Johnny, I will say this. There are three bad teams in the NFC East right now. But you could make the case that there are three bad teams in the NFC West, and you could also make the case that the best team in the NFC East is better than the best team in the NFC West today. It would be an interesting game. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles look great. And I still need to see, you know... Jalen Hurts have some playoff success before I'm really buying in but they're definitively good
1: I mean the acquisition of AJ Brown man that's that's just He's next a, level he man. is a monster he
2: is exactly who we thought he was he <laughs> is he is a, a stud at the highest proportions and it,
1: it only proves that the, the Titans relied so heavily on him because boy Man, they uh, they could use him right now a lot.
2: Yeah, they are bad. Um, there's a lot of not uh, teams that do not look good in the NFL these days, and I think they're definitely one of them. The fact that we're going to sit here and say the Jags are going to run away with that division after three weeks is comical. But, like, they might. um. I think our last topic before we get to predictions was you wanted to talk about Zach McKinley getting a couple snaps in this game right after he signed. I think he got, what, eight snaps?
1: I, I had to give my boy a shout-out, man. Uh, you know, if you've been listening to the pod for a while, you know I'm a UCLA Bruin. Don't laugh. Um <laughs> <laughs> I I love I love the Bruins, but um, particularly I, I like Tack when he was on the Bruins. Um, hasn't really made much of a name for himself in the NFL, but I have to say though I, despite all the you know the biasness of me being a Bruin fan and all, I have to say it, it's not very often that you pick up a random player off the street and he plays immediately, you know, and mind you, I realize that it's not like Tack had a huge role in this game, but the fact that, you know, Raheem Morris was that confident in putting him in there. Um, I think that's, that's going to be like uh, something to look forward to, to see how he progresses, you know, within the team. And, you know, once he gets a little bit more acclimated, who knows, maybe he has a much more significant role with this team. Um, as you know someone that kind of subs in and out um you know i i i'm kind of intrigued you know i may maybe i'm overlooking it a little bit but it, it there is something to be said for a street free agent to come in right away and contribute it's not like you know they couldn't have just kept them on the bench or anything that was a very good possibility
2: no yeah, i mean i know he was banged up when we got him but Von Miller didn't play in his first eligible game with the Rams. So, like, Tack coming in and playing at all means that they have to think a little highly of him, at the very least. Like, I think he will be a rotational player while for this season. How big of a rotation impact he has remains to be seen. Um, you know, Terrell Lewis has looked good, so it might be less than we think, but we'll see. I'm excited to see what he brings.
1: Let's do this tech.
2: <laughs> What's your prediction for this game? I, I, is there any other topics with the Niners you want to talk about? We talked about them a lot at the beginning.
1: Yeah, I think I think we pretty much covered them all. Um, if I recall correctly, and this feels like it was a lifetime ago, even though it really wasn't, but if I recall correctly, I believe I said that the 49ers would win this game. I uh, don't recall.
2: No, I think you picked the Rams. Did I, I pick? picked the 4. Okay. I picked the 49ers.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I know I wasn't sure if I picked them to win this game or cuz I know I I picked them to win at least one of them. Uh maybe it was the second game. Yeah, I think
2: record. you had the Niners win in the second game.
1: Okay. Well, that's that's interesting, but um I I think I'm going to pick a win here, man. I think uh, in this case, I guess I'm sticking with my answer. I was kind of preparing to say that uh, I'm changing my answer, but I guess I'm sticking with it. So, um, yeah, I I think that the Rams are slowly, excruciatingly slowly getting better. And I think it's just going to be good enough to get past the 49ers. I, I think in the end, the 49ers offense is just too banged up. Um, they have to rely on Garoppolo and in the end, as long as the, as long as Stafford doesn't commit too many ridiculous turnovers, I think, uh, the Rams end up walking away with this one. I'm going to say 24, 14 Rams.
2: I got 17, 13 Rams, which is what I predicted the 49ers would win in the off season. But like. I watched some of that Monday night football game this week and there is absolutely no way I could ever pick the forty ers in this matchup after that. What a what an awful football game. Just oof. So hopefully they win. Did you know that if the season ended today the NFC East would have three playoff teams? That's interesting. <laughs> the Cowboys and Giants are both two and one.
1: That's yeah. That, that, I guess you're right there. Uh, wow, what a horrible playoff!
2: Yeah, the I mean the Giants, they're they're top twenty five quarterback away from being three and zero, but they don't have one. All right, man. Um, I think we could wrap it up there. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at @severbero, at Johnny Five nut Six, at Talk Rams. We'll talk to you guys next week. How how would you evaluate your season? Uh, I
1: think we ain't done yet. For you personally? I think we ain't done yet.